Be the best rugby coach you can be. Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with head coach Dan Cottrell, where you learn hints and tips from the rugby coaching community. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast. My name is Dan Cottrell and I'm delighted to have with us for this podcast, Stuart Wilkinson, who's successfully coached rugby league at many levels, and he's going to tell us a little bit more about that as we go on. And is also a sports coaching and performance lecturer at the University of Central Lancashire. So thanks for joining us, Stuart. Glad to be with you, Dan. I've been looking forward to it and, and I've followed you for, for some time with your resources and your, your ideas, etc. and stuff like that. So it's lovely, lovely to speak to you. Uh, well, it's great to have you on board, and we've obviously chatted many times on Twitter, so it's high time that we talked, yeah. and we shared some of your ideas and your views, and I'm sure we're going to have some interesting and thought-provoking ideas, especially on drills and skills and games and how we all introduce those. So before we start, just give me a little bit of your background in coaching? Um, I probably first started coaching when I was finishing playing as a professional, Dan, you know, obviously, um, you know, being really passionate about coaching, etc., and being a captain, it was sort of natural progression, but I was wise enough to start getting some qualifications and, and smart enough to think to myself, I need to start at the very bottom at grassroots level rather than just try to jump in on an academy team and stuff like that where I could mess up and and, and and test things out and experiment and stuff. So I started at the very bottom with an under-12s team at grassroots level um, and eventually worked my right way through to the full England professional team and I was an assistant coach with the British Lions as well um, at a certain time. And in between that, I've obviously you know coached England Academy and, and Great Britain Academy and we've had successful tours to New Zealand and Australia beating the Australians and the Kiwis in their own backyards and stuff like that. And, and then I, I was head-hunted as a professional coach with Leeds Rhinos. I spent 10 years at Leeds Rhinos helping develop their, their youth performance system. And that's where my passion was, really, was developing coaches and, 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 and players and in and around these systems. And that went really well. I was head-hunted by Wigan Warriors. I spent some years at Wigan Warriors and, um, and then Witness Vikings and then eventually went on to work for the governing body as a national performance coach. Uh, basically working with England Academy and other national teams. Alongside that, I've coached three different countries in three different World Cups. I've coached Wales successfully in the early 2000s um, uh, in the European nations and preparing them for the World Cup. Uh, from there, I went back to work with England for a bit and then I went to work with the French national team. So, uh, uh, so, so sort of developing all their elite coaches, really, and I did a lot of coaching with them. And then recent, more recently, uh, coached Russia in the last World Cup. So um, I've been coaching, you know, in, in high performance and international level across uh, local, regional, national level for, for over over 30 years. Um and one of the most interesting things and probably some of the things we're going to talk about is is developing coaches, I suppose, not just for developing players, but, um, you know, making it an easy, an easier journey for, for our young coaches with, with, with some of the minefields and, and things, you know, with our novice coaches as they start to be able to develop themselves. Um, so I hope that makes sense a little bit, a little bit of background, a little bit of an insight into my passions, etc. And, and I've probably missed some stuff out, but uh, I'm, I'm sure people might follow it up. Well, what's interesting to me is that you said you cut your teeth with grassroots under 12s. And what I'd like to know in that sense is what's different between coaching the under 12s, where you said you make lots of mistakes or learned mm. by your mistakes, 
to say coaching with maybe an elite team? I think you know you, you're a one-trick pony, aren't you? With um, or, or you're a, you know you've got to do everything yourself at grassroots level. Um, so it was bit, you know even then I knew, I knew there was there was other areas that these young people needed to, to to be able to develop themselves in. You know I knew that they had to be better athletes, move better. I knew psychologically they need to be able to connect to what they're doing and develop some other competencies in them areas. So it was really it was my first time to start building a network of coaches and expertise to give these under twelves the best experience possible. Um, I had some ideas on on, on 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 how to develop that, but I think right from the off the coaches education system then and, and people like who you mentioned earlier Damon McGrath who, who was a coach educator in them days was smart enough to let us know that it was it was it was you know uh, probably a bit bigger than than just coaching drills and um, and there was there was there was other ways to teach young people um, and things like that so you know the, it was there was lots of things where you, you could mess up um, and reflect on and review, etc., at grassroots, and and there probably is at a professional level as well, particularly like we're developing young people. But one of, one of the big differences is when you you know when you start to work at places like Leeds Rhinos and Wigan's Warriors, even though they're only with juniors and junior coaches, you can't have a day off. Um, but it is your job in the end. Now you're, you're more full time. But when I was grassroots, I was I was still working as a fitness manager and a personal trainer when I finished playing. Um, so you know, it was one or two times when I probably did have, have, have bad days with them. Um, but you learn from them. You know, they, they make you a better coach, and you, you start to to connect with how they learn and, and and what they find fun and what they find interesting, and then you try to feed that enthusiasm so they keep coming back and and grow a love for the sport. Well, I'd hate to be the one to focus on what hasn't gone well because I know lots of things have gone well, but I think it'd be very interesting mm. for coaches listening in to know what you regarded were the bad days and then how you learnt from those bad days. Yeah, just, you know, you might see something in terms of, you know, they've had an issue at the weekend, um, coming off their own end and clearing their own line, etc. and stuff like that. Or they've failed in the front of the field in terms of, like, missing opportunities, etc. And you start to think to yourself, well, the only thing I know is is, is structure, organisation and, and systems and things like that. And you, and you start to, to indoctrinate these young players with this ideology that you were based on when you were learning, etc. and stuff like that. They were the bad days when I thought, you know, why, why would you give Pythagoras, Pythagoras, is really to, Pythagoras theory to someone who wasn't ready? Um, so it really was about, that's the part where it hit me more than anything else. It was really was about just like the simple fundamental skills and, you know, the, the, the nuances and, and what they're attuned to shrinks down much smaller. And it really was about some of the basic stuff um, that I thought, well, you know, when I go back in there again, if they, it, it, what's the point in running all, all singing and dancing movement plays and drills and however I was coaching it when they, they couldn't really assess what was happening in front of them and they weren't really attuned to what was happening with the, with the hands and the feet and their eyes and the, the, the movement and people in and around them. So those, those are the bad days. Learning that, Dan, was was uh, a rigorous process, um, trying to find better ways to do it. And, you know, lots of drills weren't the answer, but it really, at the end of the day, it really was just, you know, helping them and supporting them to become more attuned to those old little tiny nuances and core skills and fundamental movement. And that was a bit of a journey. So with those... Um small skill small um steps and learn simple stuff about rugby one sort of thinks right we need to go back and now you talked about 
not drilling, but you think they need to be drilled in those simple movement skills and handling skills. So how do you make a 12-year-old who you've only got maybe for an hour and a half or maybe, if you're lucky, three hours in a week, how do you improve their handling skills without drilling? Well, in them days, Dan, drills were the be-all and end-all, and it was it was about generating, you know, better you know better ways of doing things or better ways of keep teaching the same skill, you know, same, same way of grip and catch and pass, you know, a thousand times. So back in them days, it was drills. Um, and, and they weren't. You know, don't get me wrong, but, you know, but, it, it, you know, the research says it's, it's a process and about retentions and et cetera and things like that. And they go through this cognitive phase, the, you know, in, in, through into the autonomous phase. And, but it is a long process. Still. Right, I'm going to stop you there. So just tell me about that cognitive and autonomous phase. Yeah, so the stages of, of, of how people learn um, skills um, and, and some of the old stuff, the cognitive associates and autonomous phase, I think it was Fitz and Posner um, and through Smith schema theory and things like that and, and I think I think to be honest you know that's what that's what's influenced coach education and that was available for them because it was easy to produce in documents and charts and descriptions and diagrams etc and stuff like that was these progressions um so yeah they were accurate and they did work but it took a long time and they didn't appeal to all the learners and all the different styles that people have gotten their perceptions were, were skewed but if you did and you repeated it over and over again you know eventually you know things resonated with them so so just just go on to that then i'm interested in this idea that you're saying appeal versus it works so if it works sometimes don't they just have to go through that process until they come out the other side and because uh, otherwise, by the time they're 15, 16, they don't have those fundamentals. The things that um, are important that catch correctly. Yeah, it's been appealing. We've had some great games. We've really enjoyed ourselves. Can't catch, though. Isn't it about um, isn't it about going through that hard process of being drilled and then putting some things on top? Possibly, Dan. I mean, you know, um you know, there's some stuff waiting around the corner in our conversation here about games, etc., and stuff like that. But I won't move too quickly to it. But yeah, you know, it, whether it's drills or games, they go through an ugly phase. You know, um, mm. you know that the, the failure within all that is pretty important as well. Um, and even if there is drills, you've got to coach the skill inside the drill, etc. As I was always drummed into us for, through through our coach development process and stuff like um so that 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 was that that is a process whether you choose games etc or, or drills but then when you started to see the like that like the upsurge of interest in games which there is at the moment and and, and like in the last five years it's really really you know accelerated and like even 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 in, in the last two to you know 12 months on when we've been involved in some of the discussions, discussions we have been on twitter um games does do um in terms of uh retention a really good job and you get your fun and you get your involvement you get your touches and depending on how how more you how hard you work to refine your games and, and develop your games and change your constraints etc and stuff like that reduce your numbers, reduce the outcomes. Um, and the more involvements they get, you know, games do work. Um, so, yeah, you get the same effect, whether it's just, you know, like hammering the anvil, 
or, um, or, or, or or games you're going to go through through an ugly spell at some point. Um, but in terms of my own evolution, um, it really was like I'd, I'd seen fire for the first time when I started to discover uh, that my players would would uh, would get more from these small sided games, and they have been around a long time. And back to the late eighties, early nineties, you know, people talked about you know a games based approach, um, and that 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 captivated me. Um, um, so uh, you know, even though you know, w- w- I found some really sexy ways of of, of teaching, you know, games within uh, or skills within drills. You know, games for me was p- proving to be you know a, a, a passion of mine and an area of that I really wanted to be able to develop well and, and become an expert in. Not that I am, um, because I'm still learning and stuff, you know, unless I really, you know, get time to plan about uh, the type of constraint and the effect I'm looking for, um, they can get messy. Um, so I still have me off, after all these so years, I'm, I still have me off days down. <laughs> well, that's, it's good to hear that you are mm. human then. Um, so in the sense that uh, you're keep coaching at the elite level, uh, and you need to keep the players interested and engaged, and you have a lot of time with them. Game seems to be a very powerful way to do that. So going back to the under-12s or under-13s, under-14s, when you're with them and you're seeing that they're, they've missed out on large chunks of fundamental skills, don't you feel that the danger is that those games are not giving them enough of a chance to do the, the repetitions. And I don't mean repetitions in doing the same thing over and over again, because I understand that repetitions need to be varied and they need to have different mm. sorts of pressure. I'm worried that these players are only getting an hour and a half of just running around mm. having a laugh or enjoying themselves and not they're missing out on those fundamentals, which do make them more capable of doing the more sophisticated things we want them to do. I think I think to be fair, Dan, you know, at grassroots level, uh, when you look at like the, the, the knowledge frameworks, like decorative knowledge, if if you know if if, if you're introducing a new skill at, at grassroots level, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, with a little little, little bit of ex- experience, you know, the, the 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 why they're doing it is missing. Um, right. With drills, you don't get that. With drills, there's a purpose, there's a connection. Um, but you, you, you know, you might, if you strip it down too much, you might lose, lose the relatedness, etc., and stuff like that. So sometimes, it, even in drills, depending on how far you go, you strip it back. The, the declarative knowledge can be missing. Um, so yeah, I think at grassroots level, that's that 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 could be an issue where you might want to start thinking about um, an activity that resembles or or, 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 or a drill that resembles um, some relatedness to. To, to where they can execute the skill, and then again, um, there is an argument for that. Uh, but when you know, obviously, the, the realms that I've been involved with, they, they already turn up with with, the, with with the knowledge frameworks and the building blocks already in place. So the decorative knowledge of why they're doing some of these games um, they, they connect with athletes much quicker. So they are two completely different environments. And it is in terms of like the, de- the declarative knowledge and why you do stuff and how to do stuff um, and where to execute and why is much is a much easier filter for the players because they've already got the building blocks at grassroots. It might they might be a novice, they might have come with a friend, etc. and stuff like that. They might not when they watch the game, they might not even watch rugby. They might just like enjoy playing. They've all those different people at grassroots sports, so it's a really mixed bag. And I think you've just got to work out your group 
and the best way that you know to teach particular skills or introduce new skills like tackle there's loads of controversy in and around tackle um you know to, to teach tackle to a complete 12 13 year old novice it is a complex skill um so how that's stripped down and how that's you know within a game um uh, in terms of safety etc and stuff like that you know could be a, you know is, is a great you know, challenge or a daunting or even a daunting task for some novice coaches, etc. But you know, I think I think to be fair, Dan, that's where we play our part. While we can't do it on Twitter because of of the of, of, of the level of discussion that we have, I don't think we help grassroots level. But like your resources and people like Damien's resources and stuff like that, or my role with with, with undergraduates, etc. You know, helping them connect is probably you know you know our little you know our, our type of work is is probably you know a, a crucial part of what's missing in in novice coaches that you know we rationalise it for them. Uh, for this mixed bag, what happens at grassroots? Does that make sense, Dan? I don't know whether I've waffled on or you want to pull me back on anything, but... You know. <laughs> well, you've, you've covered a few things there. Now, I'm interested in this uh, why um, aspect of it. Is the novice coach missing out on being more effective because they don't tell the story effectively? Uh, they, they may go down the drill route. They may go down the games route. If the player in front of them doesn't know why they're doing it, is that part of the problem? And secondly, because you've got such a mixed bag, actually, aren't these co- uh, coaches facing an impossible task anyway? Uh, well, no, no. Obviously, like the, the, you know, it's not. It, it might not be an impossible task, but it's just getting that that knowledge framework right. You know, the the decorative knowledge and then the procedural knowledge. You know, the the the, the, the are sequential. So, uh, you know, creating you know the, the the relatedness to whatever drill they're doing is, is vital. Um, you know, and then you know, or, or the game that the project that they decided to design is vital as well. But it's got to be they've got within all that. There's got to be a how-to. All right, so you've got your why within your decorative and why it's important to be able to. I don't know if a rugby union guys jumping a line out or or etc. or clean a rook out or for your your rugby league lads. Why it's a, you know the different types of tackle. Why they're going to chop tackle through the ball uh, side on whatever the whatever they're doing. They need to make sense of you know a dominant tackle. Well will slow the rub down, okay? Whereas a, a really good chop tackle, you know, might be just, uh, you know, create a bit of a loss, but at least it gives your time a little team a little bit of time to recover. So there's a different type of tackles they do need to be able to build in where they connect to when they're playing, all right? And then the procedure follows afterwards. So I think if they get that sequencing right, whether they goes with games or they go with drills, um, if they can keep it related and it can make sense and the athletes can make connections, um, I do believe they're going to be successful at some point. Might be a little bit slower depending on their group because they're you know they are all different as we know, um, and even the mood sometimes you can have like a fantastic session planned out. And they turn up in the moody, and you end up coaching life skills, don't you? And you've got like an awesome, fantastic, fantastic session ready, but it goes in a different way. And sometimes they do different things within it, and you you react to it, and you think, "Well, I'll let them run with this because it's current, and they're interested in it, and they've gone in a different way with it." And I think it's having the confidence sometimes as a young coach to be able to think to themselves, "Well, yeah, fair enough. It's not going the way I want to do. It's not a bad attitude, but they've done something else um, with the actual activity or the game of design." And it's having the confidence to let that happen and let it flow and let them organise. So, um, that's obviously there's there's a great deal of confidence required there. And when we are working with coaches, we're hoping to give them that confidence. Is it, is it really important to get the idea of how to start a session 
is is actually vital. And I, I'm, I want you just to tell us a bit more about decorative knowledge first, and what that what that means. And then, if possible, and this this is a bit of a, a curveball, is to actually say let's take something which is um, similar to rugby league and rugby union, maybe. Um, a good push pass under pressure, how you would suggest to a novice coach of introducing it. So first of all, decorative knowledge, and then how you might say this would be a good session start for a novice coach. I mean, I, would, I wouldn't give too much information. I think we can talk too much, but I would just strip it down to to, to, to what the ball feels like in the hands and having them playing grip off, um, that they can actually feel the sensation of, of, of what the ball feels in the land and, the, and then maybe doing some squeeze passes, like squeezing the fingers together and let it popping out and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, I'd definitely start with some activities and games in and around all that to one-on-one with a squeeze ball and you're, you've, got it, you've got it in one hand, I've got it, you've got it in your left, I've got it in my hand and we're trying to snatch it off each other. Um, and then start to squeeze it, you know, so it put it, it, it's like a fingertip pass, etc., and things like what that feels like. And then getting them to recognize space and how to manipulate space that if I go a particular way, the defender might come with me, that creates a little bit of space for, 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 for the athlete to push into. So I, I would play games, me, a series of small games in and around the skills, etc., and stuff like that. And then start to produce some activity towards the end where they, where they connect all these little tiny movements into, into a game and say, right, this is. This is why the grip was important. This is why was what, what, you know how you fix the defender, how you put you dragged him away from that particular area to create space for somebody to run into. This is where it all connects to, etc., and things like that. So, I, I would go that way. Really, I would start with like a, a lot of the smaller, smaller things that, that, that are important. But I'd still play games. I wouldn't do drills with them. I wouldn't do a pin drill or anything like that. Where one from one come to another, I would just put them in some space and uh, and I'd have some some areas and constraints, etc., and around the space what they've got to try and you know discover and manipulate and, and move defenders round in um, and yes the defenders will start to self-organize and cut down opportunities but then you restrict that without with, with whatever constraints you, you choose to use because because you are to coach in attack um, and I would just build build it up from there down so you know they get they get the connections of all these tiny things which is the decorative part to where it applies to so they get the connection. And at the end, at the end, I'd give, I'd give them the, the the final game, which would be right. This is how you execute, um, you know, this type of this type of push pass drill, um, and that might only be on a three v three or a four v four or a two v two, depending how well they've done with with collecting all the other bits and pieces they need for the pass. Um, so that's where I would I would particularly go with it. I would I would uh, make make sure the related was this was was, was built in. Um, and just make sure that they, you know, they were ready for the next stage. Um, and if they weren't, you know, then I would all like good practice have breakouts, breakaway skill bases, and stuff like that, where they can go and practice those tiny parts before they can come back in and have another bash. And I've, I sense a danger for novice coaches, and we've been focusing on them quite a lot. Uh, is that they they put together a session, and in the last game, they don't see any of the skills that they've just been practicing working. Now, is that, should they be worried about that or is that something that they've got to expect? 
No, no, I think I think we can help them. But you see, I don't know the extent of... of um, I know Rugby Union are doing some fantastic things with their coach, Ed Asdrell, Billy Gartu, etc. and things like that. So, you know, and, and they get, you know, real gurus in there now, like Richard Shuttleworth coming in, etc. and stuff like that, that's that's adding all these layers to, to, to the development of the, you know, of the, the coach education system. So they're starting to get their head round about what constraints... Um, can look like and how useful they can be, etc. In terms of like, you know, giving the athletes a best opportunity to be able to solve a problem connected to, um, you know, the, the the outcome of what you're teaching. So, uh, if you if you it, and there's the risk if you if you you know if you go too big if you go 15 on 15 etc. and stuff like that and you're trying to teach push pass, um, you're going to have to have a number of coaches on the field policing. You know what they consider to be other. You get your rewards right etc. and stuff like that, um, or you get penalised for not being able to do it and things. So, you know, depending on how you scale it um, with your group. Um, and then you've got your head round um, what the constraint should look like um, to help those uh, that particular skill be executed. Um, but again, I think it's a coach edu- a coach head or a coach development issue um, that they've you know that, that, that they've got to get that right because messy constraints can do can, can, can take you know take it a different way and, and you might not see it at all. So I think in and around how you manipulate the constraints and how, how they're attuned to to what you're trying to. To, to get out of it, it does take some practice. So a novice coach learning that um, could could be very difficult. And again, another difficulty for these novice coaches is that they are often it's often drummed into them that they need to correct technique. Yet they're watching games and there's lots of poor technique. And every time they step into the game, yeah. the game stops and it starts and it stops and it starts. Yeah. So. How do they, what, what advice would you give to that novice coach about that from your experience? Because it would be interesting to know if it's different when you are uh, coaching pro players who are doing this day in, day out. And obviously, again, you want accuracy, but a different sort of accuracy. Yeah, of course. I mean, obviously, like you could, you know, they've got they've got the knowledge, you know, professional, you know, or elite academy players. They've got the knowledge framework there, haven't they? So you just have to give them a nod about the standard of practice and what you expect and things. So um, even though the, 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 again they're so well attuned to to what's happening with the skills, you can, you know, you might be t- teaching a particular part. Uh, like a you know an add-on player something like that on the edge, um, but you, you you still expect them to be able to have a high standard in terms of like you know the personal stuff like a, a hands up catch and catching off the body and a push pass and no spin pass and keep the ball big etc. Uh, that's all built in, so you know that they know the standards that you made, and now and again you have to remind them etc. With your with your novice uh, athletes or your or your grassroots players, obviously they haven't got that 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 sort of. Um, that, that knowledge framework and the capacity to be able to think of all those nuances and standards that you expect. Um, so it, it's just a, it's just a method of, like I said before, Dan, of getting your constraints right um, and having a, having a good think about what your game should look like, um, so the players can become attuned to the you know the skill that you're trying to teach. Um, so avoid going, you know, involving other things like, you know, you might need to avoid, you know, too many numbers in at the rocking rugby union or running in a line outs, etc. It might just be a reward game in and around push pass. Um, and that's all you're looking for is, is them to be able to, to string some of them together. And if they don't, there's a penalty, they turn the ball over. Um, and, and, and so a reward, a reward game is 
there's things like turnovers. How yeah, does that work? Yeah. So and obviously, like if, you, if 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 somebody chest catches or there's a, there's a missed opportunity, etc., or somebody doesn't push into the hole where the pass was meant to be, you just turn the ball over. Um, so the, 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 you're going to have to tell me what push into the hole means. Yeah. So if I if, if me and you are running uh, uh, two people down and uh, and, I've, and I've and I've pulled one a little bit wider from from. For creating a bit more space with with our fixed him, and then you've come late into the space. I've turned uh, and I create the space for him. You haven't shown up and pushed through the hole. Obviously, like that's a failed skill. Um, even though I'm holding the ball, I'm not responsible. You are. I still turn the ball over. Um, and it goes to the opposition, etc., and things like that. And I think it's you know like a, a, having games like that built into our into our coach and our coach development etc that are pretty important and then like I say just staying on that if that's the only thing they learn that night or to go away with a better understanding of your sessions worked yeah and I, so I like that detail because it's uh, there's a lot about the why in that uh, there, hmm. there are things that you could have done better with your hands with your footwork yet the reason why it's being turned over is about the eventual success of what you're trying to achieve, which is uh, what the game's exactly. about. And uh, it's about scoring points. Mm. And if you break that down into all the principles of how you do that, a lot of it is uh, there are lots of ways to do this. In the end, we need to get players through gaps. We need to get players through gaps effectively. And uh, if you can't do it in this situation, then it's a turnover and you'll you'll learn. Well, you may learn for next time. You may forget next time. But you'll learn every time you, you get the ball turned over. Uh, right, sure. We've gone off on a fantastic track, <laughs> which, uh, and I had a list of questions here, which uh, we're going to have to ask a different time. But we, I've really enjoyed where we've gone because we focus a lot on where a grassroots coach has to think and has to approach things. Uh, I was also interested uh, very much in the fact that you, you still think the drills work. I think, uh, is it true to say that you'd say that um, you go with games because you think it's more appealing and that's that's the way forward? Or if a coach, what I'm trying to say is, if a coach still kept going with drills, he could still be okay and make some success? Yeah, I think, I think you know, at a professional level and an elite level, Dan, there's that, you know, the, the, the whole of my particular sport has invested that much into games-based practices. And, you know, all the synoptical things that go into that, the physical, the psychological, et cetera, and stuff like that. Um, I think you just, you know, uh, bottom line is like, we, we do games for everything that we possibly can do. Um, and drills are a last resort if they have to be. Uh, but I still think it, the more you you force yourself into uh, a position of right, I'm, I'm not. I am going to an entire year now playing some games, and then uh, the games that don't work, I'll review on and see if, see if, see what I've done wrong. I'll speak to my mentor about it and stuff like that. But for me, for me, games work. Uh, I'm adamant about it, and I feel really confident about it. And all, unlike all of us, I'm only like you. I mean, I wasn't born knowing that. You know, I researched it. I did some prolific reading on it. I spoke to people. I listened to the world leaders in it. You know, your Keith Davids and stuff like that, who certain people don't stay take on, and, and and Renshaw and all those guys. You know, you know, they're, they're, you know all those people that that, that really are, are the biggesters in terms of of, of that approach. Um, I'm, I'm like everybody else. I said an appetite to learn it and perfect it and get better. better. 
about it. And I believe that's the way. So why would you bring Richard Shuttleworth in to speak to a local rugby league coaches and then everybody everybody walks off and does drills? It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> Understand what I mean? But then the evolution of coaches themselves and your novice coaches, maybe, you know, I, we, we were fortunate enough to have played the game, Dan. There's lots of novice coaches that haven't done. All right. So, you know, putting some cones down and learning some some drills and, and being able to successfully move an athlete forward and teach him a skill, I don't think it's a crime at all. I think it's a good starting place. Um, and if it works for them, carry on doing it. But there's a point where they're going to think to themselves, well, I, I get more engagement from somewhere else. And if, if, if it looks like that, how can I make it look like that? And who can I speak to? And I suppose that's what that's the space that you fill, Dan, in, in your role. Like I said before, that you know, with your resources and your ideas, that you know, that's 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 the part that's missing. And and the same with with my role at, at the university with undergraduates. It's like you know, let's move them forward. Let's see that. Let them see the difference between isolated practice and games, and and then make a mess of stuff moving forward and, and, and practice it and refine it. So did that answer your question? I'm not sure you've got me on one again. Either. Yeah, no. Well, it did, and it uh, took a, a another course of route which we could yeah. uh, develop. Uh, well, Stuart, that, I really enjoyed that. Uh, I mean, I've been looking forward to catching up with you properly, and um, there are so many other areas we could go down. But thank you very much for your time and your insights. Uh, there's so much value to be brought from. I mean, rugby league and rugby union are uh, brothers in arms in sense. I know they've not always been brothers in arms, and there's so much to learn from each other. And I think the great thing these days is that one doesn't look at the other and say that's not a good game both appreciate yeah, exactly the yeah, good yeah, things yeah. and both appreciate that there's um there is stuff still mm-hmm. to learn and there's so much more to learn so Stuart, thank you very much for your time that's been fantastic My pleasure Dan. and um a couple of things then just to say that this podcast is released fortnightly on a wednesday please head over to the blog tab on the rugby coach weekly net website to catch up any on any episodes you've missed So thank you, everyone, for listening. And thanks again, Stuart, for all your insight. No problem, Dan. Really enjoyed it. And I I, I hope I didn't waffle on too much when I got... (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's it's not waffle. It's certainly passion. And that's uh, that's the key to where everyone wants to move forward. We want the games, all games, to move forward, all youngsters to enjoy and and oldsters. And there's, there's time for us yet, maybe. So uh, thanks again, Stuart, and thank you, everyone, for tuning in.